Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. Hey, this is Wicked Spursy. First ever reaction to a transfer window episode. So let's get started first with Mike. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty good. Uh, just finished dinner with the, with the family, and uh, now we're. Um, Gonna dive headlong into this uh, into this January transfer window slash ITK fucking barrage. But I gotta say, uh, I came down came downstairs into the into the quote unquote podcast slash FIFA lair um, to find my daughter's uh, decided to take it over with her uh, friendship bracelet uh, business um, <laughs> that she started. Um, She's trying to raise money for an anti-bullying campaign, which is, which is wonderful, which is wonderful, but she doesn't pick anything up. And, uh, there was popcorn and all kinds of stuff all over the place where her and her friends were here making bracelets and never picked anything up. So yeah, there's, uh, there's bracelet stuff and, uh, and there's fucking glitter everywhere. I don't know where the glitter comes in because you can't put that into a bracelet. I don't think. Just makes everything better. That's all, Mike. Otherwise, everything's great. It was a good weekend. Uh, the football teams that I wanted to win won. Um, we don't have to deal with Patrick Mahomes' uh, love uh, across the the Fox landscape, uh, the Fox Sports landscape, I should say. Um, and now we're gonna get our Spurs back, uh, and it looks like a little bit stronger squad. But we'll talk about that. Right, we will get there, but first we need to hear from Steve. Steve, how are you? Oh, not too shabby. I'm looking forward to having hot water again at some point. We shall see how that goes. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I should probably explain, huh? So <laughs> see, like... you just you just lift me up every week, man. You just just make <laughs> me feel make me feel good. Steve's been bath- Steve's been bathing in the creek behind his house. Oh my god, it's <sighs> so. so so six o'clock in the morning yesterday my wife comes says you know hey you got to get up um there's something wrong with our water heater that's like oh god what now right because we had just had boiler issues and i'm kind of sick of having to constantly call plumbers and try to figure out which one of them isn't uh super booked up so i get down to the basement there's like a nice thin layer of water just going from the far corner all the way to where our sump pump is in the near corner to the stairs. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. The thing, because it's cold in the basement and it, it's a water heater, it's, it's got hot water. You can just see steam rising up from the top of it, water leaking from both the top and the bottom. I'm sitting there grabbing all the, the valves to shut them off and you know, shut off the the breaker switch to it. Like that thing's not operating at all. Of course we were supposed to have, so this guy was supposed to come and and install a new one for us today, but it turns out he couldn't find any in stock anywhere, um, which sucks. So he was gonna order it for us and said, you know, it might get here in two days or so. And so I'm sitting here prepared to go a solid four days without having a shower and, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Fortunately, I think he was able to overnight it um, through Lowe's, so we should be getting it 
tomorrow. And, you know, for, for those of you who may be listening to us from a warmer climate, um, without a water heater, the water here is probably just above freezing as it's running through the pipes. It is ice cold. You cannot keep your hands under that water without them going numb for more than like 10, 15 seconds. It is just absolutely miserable. There's no showering in it. There's no washing dishes. There's nothing like it's brilliant to drink. Uh, I'll give you, give you guys that, but uh, not much for doing anything else that needs to get done around the house. And I don't know where to go from there, Steve. I don't, I don't know where to go at all, except I've been there not because of a broken water heater, but because I forgot to fill up our fuel oil one year and it ran down to, to nil. So I uh, went for a hot shower one morning, didn't happen. And then got to pay extra, you know, to get the, the whole system rebooted. Cause once you drain the oil all the way out, you're stuck. Like they, they gotta, they gotta get you fired back up again. So not good. Wishing you luck. Hope it gets warm soon. Yeah, me too. But you know what? Um, I think we're going to be fairly warm and cozy in our transfer discussion that I just so organically pivoted us towards. So it was a totally, totally natural segue for us to ask Mike. (laughs) Just ask Mike. Just like the organic matter that's going into your septic system. Nice. (laughs) Hey, Mike, I want to hear from you about how you were feeling like a week ago in the transfer window not today don't lie because we'll get to today i want to hear the truth from mike about how mike was feeling a week ago what do you say so folks this is a point of contention here uh dave (laughs) dave picks on me relentlessly in our whatsapp chat only when it's deserved only only when it's yeah like which is all the time um (laughs) so uh yeah last week i uh i had done the uh you i you know, I, I, I always do this. Um, I do it with, ba- with my baseball team um, around trade deadline, end of end of summer free agency. And I always, you know, I, I get nervous that nothing's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, of course, you know, the last two, three days, something happens. It happened with the Red Sox this year. I thought the trade deadline, the Yankees came and scooped up a couple of players that the Red Sox were looking at and were rumored to have signed. It's kind of like, that would kind of like be like Arsenal signing two guys that we were heavily linked to for months and months and months. So that being said, um, I get, I get nervous. Um, I'm so heavily involved in my sports teams and and it makes me nervous. And and because my, my sports teams are my distraction. uh, What, what happens is that that distraction becomes obsession and obsession uh, as we all know, can be uh, unhealthy sometimes. Um, so, so uh as we know itk is uh is 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 what it is and we've we've given it that lovely acronym because in the know everybody thinks that they're in the know and it's usually journalists or just some fucking guy in his basement um doing a podcast uh or a blog writing a blog you know um nobody really knows except for the people that are involved i got a little bit nervous and I went a little bit off the handle. Um, and of course, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Animal House, but there's a scene, uh, Kevin Bacon, one of his first movies, uh, is in that. And there's a scene at the very end where chaos is just, is just you know, ensuing the entire city. And, and he's 
this uh, like a ROTC military guy, and he's dressed up, and he's trying to control traffic, and he's trying to stop everybody from freaking out and losing their minds, and he's screaming, "All is well!" And that was Dave for me. <laughs> and he kept on saying it for an entire week. It's okay, man. Something's gonna happen. It'll happen like the last three, four days. And a couple of things happened, uh, and um, I, I have some feelings about it. Um, I'm, I'm, but you know, I want to. I, I, I'd like to kind of pivot away from my uh, my mental issues with my sports teams, and uh, you know, possibly uh, get into some actual stuff that happened outside of the ITK. Why don't we do that, Steve? Why don't you get us started? What uh, what happened that you would like to talk about? We moved on a lot of dead weight. I want to start there because honestly, I I you know coming into this window, I felt like we would probably get at least one person in the door. I had less. Um, optimism i guess that anybody would take our dead weight and not only did we get one or two we got practically all of them out they're they're gone you know it, to to varying degrees of uh you know loans obligations or options or whatever but uh Dombele off to leon We've got um, Will Celso's over at Villarreal now. Delhi, it looks like, is about to complete his move to Everton on a permanent. Um, honestly, the only one I'm, I'm a little bummed by but totally understand is the uh, Brian Hill to Valencia. I really like him. Um, that said, he clearly needs game time to develop. Uh, and he's not going to get that when we're chasing top four. And, um, you know, these little cameo appearances are all fine and, and good, but, you know, he needs a sort of consistency, long, long game time that we just can't offer him right now. Send him to Valencia. Maybe, you know, he, he already knows his Spanish, obviously. So it's not like he's got to worry about any kind of cultural barriers, language barriers, anything like that. Hopefully he gets right into the, uh, into the squad, gets some minutes under his belt, comes back and is ready to go for, uh, you know, for next season. But to see all three of the, I'm going to use this term and it might be a little controversial, laziest of our midfielders moved out the door. Uh, that is nothing short of miraculous for me. Like how, uh, how did you feel about, the deli piece when when steve talks about the moving moving that group of guys out um obviously deli's a different story for anybody who supported spurs for a period of time what's your feeling on that um so you know i've spoken before about deli with dreads versus deli without dreads um i have a i have a particular like love for that deli without dreads um he uh he was the the young upstart when i started watching uh soccer and uh spurs in in particular um super fun to watch he was he he always seemed to get like this this crazy joy out of playing the game 
he's always smiling. He always had that, you know, he always had that sly little smirk because he he knew he was going to get something over on somebody. Um, we talk about all his little flips and tricks and that kind of stuff that people got wise to, and they they learn how to defend Delhi a little better. But like when when I first started watching, um, might have been his second year. Um, that dude would score goals like out of fucking nowhere. Like you would you would see Delhi, you would see Delhi um, being one of these guys that didn't do shit for an entire fucking game. And then out of nowhere, it's like 60th minute. There's there's a goal, and then in then 80th minute, there's another goal. He he would come out of nowhere and pop up in the box and just and, and score goals. Uh, he was and he got so much pleasure and so much joy out of that. Um, the past few years, we just haven't seen that from him. Um, and I don't know if it's something in his personal life or whatever. I'm not going to pretend to know. Um, but you know, that's, that's something I miss. You know, we, you didn't see Delhi smile. You haven't seen Delhi smile in the past three years. Like, not like he used to, you know, and it seems like he's maybe lost the joy for the game. Um, so seeing, seeing Delhi move on, it's the Delhi and Delhi's brother thing, right? Um, I, seeing Delhi move on, I'm 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 not so happy about it. Um, I don't know that Everton's the the right place for him. Uh, he would have really done well. I think I think he would have found a little more joy. He would have found his game again if he had gotten a move to somewhere like Paris, uh, playing under Poch again, playing in that system that he that he thrived in. Um, I. <sighs> It's it's hard for me to say like Everton's such a fucking dumpster fire that you know who's who's Delhi gonna play off of you know who's who's he gonna play off of like they just they just signed two guys that were basically the same right they're basically the same player um, so I don't I don't know where Delhi's gonna fit in there and how it's gonna make his career better. Um, he may just end his career there. Who knows? Uh, I hope so someday that we get to see Delhi smile again. And, and I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm a little saddened that he's gone. Um, I know, I know we talk about how lazy he was and that kind of stuff. Maybe he wasn't so lazy. Maybe he just doesn't have joy for the game anymore. It was taken from him because he's had four fucking managers in two years. You know, he lost, he lost that connection he had with the guy who brought, who brought him up. He's an interesting, he's an interesting character, right? Like he, he flourished under the right circumstances and under the wrong circumstances, he didn't. It'd be really interesting 10 years from now when his career is long over. It'd be interesting to hear like the, the autobiographical story of Delhi, how, how he sees, you know, the past few years in comparison to, uh, to the start of his Spurs career. I don't know. It's going to be really, really interesting. We'll see. We'll see. Steve, I'd like to know from you, how would you sum up the uh, Giovanni Lo Celso Spurs era? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is honestly, it's it's kind of difficult for me because there was a period. Oh, gosh. I think it was his, his towards the end of his first season 
uh, where it was, he was, it was the the COVID like window, right? March, yeah, or, or May of 2020, like whatever that was, that little he, window. Yeah, where he he honestly looked like exactly what the team needed. He was creative. He was progressive. He was, you know, doing all the right things. I distinctly remember. You know, when we were having these discussions in our our email threads and our our Facebook groups for uh, the uh, you know Vermont Spurs, um, who we will not associate with anymore, um, but I remember saying, you know, we need to build the team around him. Like this guy is he's creative. He's he's exactly what we need right now. And then he got injured, and then he got injured again, and then he got injured again, and then he's practically just been in varying states of injury um for far too long and when he does get his chances he, it's just not enough you know he's not he doesn't show that same level of creativity that we see for uh argentina uh we know he's capable of it whether the instructions he's getting are just not what he is used to I, you know i i don't know he's the only one who could probably tell us that but uh i i'm really disappointed at how it's worked out now maybe he lights it up and villarreal comes back and uh you know we decide to keep hold of him and you know he turns his whole career around but something tells me you know he's he's kind of done and dusted and this move is uh hey let me show you know what i can do for a different kind of team um and and you know force my move but i'm a little bummed at that i'm more bummed about the delhi situation because uh, you know i think mike's spot on he was such an integral part of the team but he's not going to fit into this conte system and you know for for a young guy like that who to mike's point and i agree i think he's kind of lost his passion a little bit he's not going to get it back playing under Conte out of position or, you know, being forced to do something that he doesn't necessarily want to do. I'm also going to parrot Mike again and say Everton's an absolute dumpster fire. And there's no point <laughs> in my mind for him to go there, but uh, you know, they've got Frank Lampard coming on. Is if Lampard they get behind him, him, is he going to fix him? He, you know, if anybody manager can, to, that, that fixes guys, I don't think he is. Um, I, I think he's honestly, from from what we saw of him at Chelsea, I think he's a little too stubborn um, and probably a little arrogant in his ways. Whether getting sacked has humbled him, you know, we'll see. Probably not. But, uh, you know, he gets what it's like to be a midfielder. And I see this going one of two ways. Um, either Delhi uh, and, and uh, Lampard, you know, they really connect, they work well together, and he he reignites that passion and starts to, you know, perform well in that squad, or more realistically, uh, he's going to struggle at Everton. Uh, they're going to continue to prove that that entire club is severely mismanaged, uh, and he'll find himself riding the bench again, and, you know, they'll probably look to offload him in a couple more years, but... I, I hope for the best, but I just, you know, that I agree, Mike, that's not the right move in my mind. Like I'd like to hear from you about your thoughts on the guys who didn't leave that, that we thought maybe there was a chance they could leave. So I'm thinking about people like Bergwijn, um, 
thinking about Rodin. Uh, anybody else that I'm is escaping me that was on the the oh Doherty um, was a was a maybe go. How do you feel about the guys that got left behind? I think that uh, the the pronunciation. Uh, look, I went to I went to high school with a whole family of Doherty's uh, who pronounced it Doherty. Uh, same pronunciation, same spelling. Uh, either way, um, I. I don't have a problem with him staying. Um, what I what I have a problem with is that I, I, I like the guy as a backup, um, as a backup to a backup. The problem is that we don't have that right now. Now we have have him as a first, as first or second choice uh, wing back, right? So, um, I, whatever. I mean, he's he's serviceable. He showed that he. Um, that he has it in him. Uh, he has some passion. Like we saw in that Leicester game when he came in, made that little guest appearance. He he really was out there working hard. He likes to play that position, and maybe it's just going to take some time for him to get back in, in into that role. Um, <clears throat> I don't think Emerson's ready to play that position. Uh, and this 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 is going to lead into the way I feel about our incomings when we get to talking about them. Um, that said. Uh, Bergwine, um, again, like in Conte, we trust. Um, he said he wants to keep the guy here. I, I think that the Ajax thing was never going to happen, um, even before the Leicester, the Leicester game happened. Um, Conte has said a number of times that he likes the player. He's, he's trying to move him into a more forward role um, because we are so- – <laughs> We sorely need someone in the in, in that center forward role uh, to back up Harry Kane. Um, and uh, I mean, who who else? I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stomp all over and uh, You know how I feel about him. I, I I really think that he's a super super talented guy, great with the ball at his feet. Um, he's kind of a magician sometimes with the way he passes the ball and the way he moves. Everybody thinks he's out there moving around slowly uh, he's which you know kind of leads to people saying that he's lazy i don't think he's lazy i honestly don't think he's lazy i think he got lazy but he didn't deserve a lot of the shit that he got um it's just the way that he moves on the field i think a lot of stuff came easy to him um and there's a lot of things that came hard to him um and a lot of that i think is assimilating kind of into everyday life in london uh, you know, versus, versus, uh, in France, uh, you know, and <clears throat> life, life in England is obviously very different than France. Um, very different than where he came from and, and being homesick has a lot to do with it too. You know, um, I think that's what led to Brian Hill going back because I don't think Brian Hill should have gone back. Uh, I, I don't think, Spain's a good spot for him. I mean, that's where he came up and that's where he developed. Um, I don't think he, I don't think it's a, it's a good spot for him to go back to. I think he needs to develop within the premier league or within the English game. If he's going to be a first teamer with us going forward, um, supreme talent, Brian Hill. Um, but outside of that, like Joe Roden, I don't, I don't, I don't, they must not have been takers. I'm sure they had him out there. They they put him out there. There must not have been any takers. I mean, 
he I don't see where he fits into this team going forward unless like God forbid Ben Ben Davis gets hurt. You know? If Ben Davis gets hurt, we're fucked. Um but we we can again talk about that shit when we get into our incomings. Um but you know I I think the outgoings are what we expected. I think the that's that's kind of what we wanted to happen. Uh, Gio Lo Celso, for me, was I thought was shit. Um, even when everybody thought he was good, I didn't think he was that phenomenal. I don't think for the money that we paid for him, like sure maybe at the time he had a few cup a couple of good games where you know where we were convinced to pick up his option. But outside of that, like, what has the guy done except go on international duty and get fucking injured? About it. He goes on international duty, shows us what type of player he is, and then he gets injured. Every fucking time. And then bitches and complains when he doesn't get in, the, you know, when he can't fit into a, a system or a team with, with a coach, you know? And I think I think his time was done within our last match before the break when he like went rogue and went on social media like no I'm healthy I'm I'm good whatever whatever he said he kind of was was countering any narrative that he might might be injured I think he was toast I would personally rate the outgoings I mean we've talked about this before we expected one or two we got four correct um, with that like. I wanted to see Ndombele and Lacelso go and felt like Delhi needed to go. And guess what? It all happened. Um, I agree on the Brian Heal. Like I, we talked earlier in the, in the season, the kid needs to toughen up. He needs to bulk up uh, for me. He needs to do that in England. He needs to go to Germany. He needs to go to somewhere where he's going to get banged around a little bit and not go back to a place he's comfortable for a, for a less quality team than he was playing for when he came to Spurs in the first place. I don't necessarily so, like a lot Germany, honestly. No? No, because all they do is beat the fuck out of players until they're until they're nearly dead, and and then they're not worth shit when they come back. I don't know. Sess went over there and stayed relatively healthy. What is relatively healthy for him? Uh, much much better than he has been for us. Three or question. four games, three or four matches in a row. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Hey, uh, I think we're uh, we're at a segue point, Mike. You ready for a segue? Let's do this, man. All right, I'm really curious to find out what you're up to. So, hey, Mike, what you drinking? Oh, today, 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 today. What a good one today. Uh, so our friend, uh, The Neck, uh, like I said, uh, brought me some Treehouse Ale. Um, and Treehouse beers are really fun. It's a, it's a brewery. It's in, uh, it's in Massachusetts, Charlton, Massachusetts. Um, so it's kind of not necessarily Boston, more like central western Massachusetts. Um uh, they make some phenomenal beers. Um, it was the type of place, you know, five, six years ago where if you went down there and you didn't show up by 9 a.m. for the 11 a.m. opening, you're not getting any beer. It's It was just, just one of those type of places. You're waiting in line for two hours um, before breweries decided to start spending some of their money. Like, <clears throat> we know Spurs should when, when we thought they were a giant club. Um, so breweries started spending money and expanding and, um, understanding that, that the, the beer scene is, is as big as it is. So Treehouse expanded, uh, their setup, uh, they 
have a new brewery uh, that is in uh, Greenfield, Massachusetts. Um, so they have a second a second facility where they also brew uh, a number of beers. This one is an interesting one for me because it's it's kind of outside of uh, it's outside and inside of my wheelhouse. Um, last week we did uh, we did the maple in uh, in the rye barrels, right? Conditioned in rye barrels. This is an oak conditioned beer. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like heavily like really peaty smoky um scotches you know heavily oaked beers are kind of that in that same vein they can be really overpowering um this is a oaked condition hellas lager now the hellas lager is one of my favorite beers um so just crisp clean cold you know that type of thing lagers are um our top fermented beers, um, they're fermented at cold temperatures. Um, so that, that helps with that helps drop a lot of that, a lot of the, the malts and the, and the yeast and all, all the other adjuncts that are added to the, to the beers, the, it helps drop all that shit to the bottom of the, of the casks and the bottom of the fermenters and just leaves just crisp, clean, cold beer. Uh, which is why like Budweiser, that kind of shit, like looks the way it does. It's cause it's cold filtered, cold lagered, you know, Coors Light always says that shit. Um, so this is called free to roam. Uh, it's by Treehouse brewing. It's an oak conditioned hell's lager. Um, 5% alcohol. Um, and, uh, I'm very excited to try this out. So. Let's pop into this. I've got a nice little Pilsner glass. I've got about six or seven different types of Pilsner glasses. This is one of my favorites. It's kind of a, it's kind of a neat, just a basic design. But I'll pop this open. That's a good one. Nice sound effect. Yeah, it sounds like a sound effect, doesn't it? Um, the label's kind of cool. Wait, just just because I'm looking, I'm looking this one up, Mike. What's this one called again? Free to roam. Thank you. Right uh, nothing from our friend. It, opening it, it doesn't smell too smoky. Um, it's got a nice head on it. It's super, super crisp and clear. Um, the label's kind of cool on this beer. It's uh, got the treehouse logo, which is kind of like a trippy, bent-looking look, actual treehouse. Um, and I'll put it. On, I'll put a picture on our on our Facebook and um, on our friends on our Discord app too. There, just took a picture of it for everybody. Um, are we going to read a review? Do we want to do that? I'm looking for. I I, I didn't see one from. Our no, Facebook. you're just looking for Lone Freighter. I know what you're doing. <laughs> you son of a bitch. This gets a 91 uh, from Beer Advocate. Um. Which is funny because the first two are like 3.9s, 3.6s, which are pretty basic. Here comes some 4s and 5s. These people um, talking about finger plus of cream white foam. What the fuck is wrong with these people? <laughs> You're, I think you get more angry than I do. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna go I, I guess I got a reputation now, huh? <laughs> this guy is this called Greasy Physique. 
F-I-Z-E-E-K. He gives it a 4.25 out of 5. Uh, this is just a basic, this is just a nice basic one. Uh, this one pours a golden clear yellow color with a small head and lots of lacing. These guys love their lacing. It smells doughy and slightly sweet malt, honey, floral hops, and straw. Straw. This is really nice. It's malt driven as the style should be with a nice honey like but dry sweetness with bread dough and cracker. <laughs> Jesus. There's just a touch of hot bitterness, uh, a hint of oak. This light bodied creamy, this is light bodied creamy and very drinkable. People should not be sleeping on Treehouse's current lager game. It's very impressive. That's that's uh, from July, June 23rd of 2021. And they're all they're all basically the same. And it, it, it says this guy says citrus peel and wildflower. Um, I don't see a bad review on this. I'd like to read a really bad review in one of these days. Yeah, right. That's that's the first thing I look for when I go on these things. Yeah, I know. You it, it's not like where's the snobbiest it. of the snobs. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and drink this and see what we got. Like I said, it doesn't smell like overly oaky. It smell like bread dough and cracker. What about pretzel? I think somebody said it. Oh yeah, this guy says pretzel dough. Draw. Yeah, let, let me ask you guys something. <laughs> Have you been around just pretzel dough enough in your life to just understand what that smells like? Um I am probably uh being a, a a heavy dude and a fan of uh of uh the summer sport of of, of stick and ball um I, I i i find myself calling myself a, a connoisseur of the pretzel uh be it a soft pretzel warm uh a hard pretzel a pretzel rod if you will pretzel sticks when i was a kid remember pretzel sticks the little skin, oh, little tiny yeah. skinny yeah, ones. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I like the rods better, actually. The rod that was just a yeah. Because well, when you're a kid, you, it's like you're smoking a cigar, right? Pretty much, yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, I'm a big fan. I don't, I don't do the cheese pretzel or the cinnamon fucking sugar pretzel. It's got to be a pretzel, all right. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the pretzel. Um, so Steve, this, to answer your question, yes, it is possible to know a lot about pretzel dough, apparently, because yeah. We've got our hey, mic. Hey, also, hey. you know, also, you know, I bake a lot, so. I um, stand corrected. My only experience with pretzel, though, is walking by the Auntie Anne's at the mall. <laughs> and you're just blown away at how they, like, make the pretzel shape, right? You're just. It's you're Well, it's pretty cool to watch a guy, like, twist a pretzel. I, oh, that's, yeah. that's true. That, that's, that is fine. Um, so let's let's get into this because uh, um, I've got a particular feeling about this beer. Um and it is it wet? With, it has to do with its conditioning because honestly it's not very super oaky to me um i've had some oak conditioned beers and they get that smoky like it's a weird kind of bitter taste and i, I just i'm not a fan of it this beer um so i i don't i don't get that that same feeling i'm i this beer is going to be gone in the next three minutes because it's that fucking good um, it got a 91 on Beer Advocate um, for being outstanding. 
Uh, I'm going to agree with that. This beer, this beer is phenomenal. It's super drinkable. It's super crisp. Um, it is malty. It's sweet. Uh, it's bubbly, which, you know, lagers, always very fizzy. Any lagered beer. Um, a Kolsch is, a, is, a, is kind of the same style of beer, but it's not, it's not necessarily lagered. Kolsches can be lagered, um, but they're usually like cold crash to finish them. Kolsch or Kolsch style? Oh, we're going to get into that discussion. We'll, do, we'll discuss that another time. All right, fair enough. Kolsch style, Kolsch. Um, but this beer is very good. Uh, give me another sip here and I'll tell you my, my rating while Steve. Comments. I've got mine ready to go. Oh, he's, he's written it up. Like he's on the fucking, what was, what was that Hold game on. show back in the day? I'm going to do the same. Uh, the game, that was, was the game. game or whatever. Uh, the, the making whoopee game, the game show or the making couples. whoopee. What? <laughs> he's you know, too the young couples, for that. You, you, Steve, yeah. like, Dave knows what I'm talking about. Absolutely. That was the newlywed game. The newlywed <laughs> game. That's right. You're talking about making whoopies. Steve was too young. He wasn't even born. Chuck Woolery will be back in two. Oh, no, that was Love Connection. That's a Love Connection, yeah. Yeah, back in two and um, two. So this beer is really good. Um, sweet, malty, pretzel, yes. I don't taste wildflower. Um, you guys can see uh, we figured out what lacing is, right? Good lacing. Nice lacing. Foamy, foamy head. Um <laughs> Uh, this is a 4.5 for me. Whoa. Ah, damn it. I had 4.1. I Ooh. had 4.4. 4. 4. 4. 4.5. That, that is the high, high watermark at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so this is, a, this is a summertime beer for me. Um, it's only 5% alcohol, which is around the same as Budweiser. Um, it's much better tasting than a Budweiser. <laughs> um i i don't know that i would get a a, a, a times 1000 headache from drinking a bunch of these but easy drinking uh it's a it's a conversation beer which means you know you can have it, it's a session conversation beer where you can sit around have good conversation you know good discussions with people getting maybe an argument uh later on the night maybe getting a fucking fight with the same person that you were just you know, best friends with. Um, this is a good beer. Um, I, I feel like that's awarding. I don't know how much these cost because treehouse beers are usually like eighteen to twenty dollars a four pack. But uh, I would, I would drink a lot of these. There, it was. It's a very good beer. See what Mike's telling us: if, if, if we were recording this together and we went like two, three hours, there'd be, there'd be uh, hands thrown. Is what I'm basically hearing from Mike. But luckily, we we won't go that long. <laughs> I'm not about to throw hands with you, Dave. I, I, I've seen. <laughs> Tell your friends. Tell your friends. But, Mike, but you me, don't give out the four hand. five. Mike does not give out the four point five very easily. So this is a this is a major uh, major accomplishment tonight by the by the treehouse. I've talked shit about a lot of beers, and this is good. Absolutely. All right. Very good. Well, hey, that's been our latest episode of Hey Mike, what you drinking? And now we get to transition back to talking about the new guys. So, Steve. First, would you please pronounce the names of uh, our two incoming players? Put me on the spot, Dave, but yeah, I'd absolutely. go with uh, Kulisevsky and uh, Bentaker. All right. That's that's what it's going to be. So who do you want to talk about first? Let's go with Kulu. Kulu, I, so I'm, I'm probably most excited about him, Kulisevsky. Um, and, and 
so this all stems from uh you know friend of the pod james asking uh about our thoughts when they were announced uh on the uh, green mountain spurs facebook uh and it got me thinking a lot about it and i've come to the conclusion that at the absolute worst he's probably a combination of like a Bergwijn and a Lucas Mora, which isn't exactly terrible to be, if you ask me. High work rate, they're you know very passionate people. They're trying to give it their all. They want to do their best. Uh, but I, you know, the kid's what twenty one years old. He's got such a high ceiling. Um, with the right guidance, like if he. If he buys into what Conte wants him to do, I think he is going to be like what Sun was for us um, one, two seasons ago when, you know, he was just unstoppable. Um, you know, he's he's kind of cooled off a bit this season, but, um, you know, if you can get if you can get Kulisevsky up and running on the right hand side, Maybe that reinvigorates Sun on the left, and then we look potentially dangerous going forward. Whether or not Kane finds the target, you know that's to be seen. But uh, no, I, I'm super hyped for this kid. Uh, I think he, I, I, I think it's one of the uh, best options we could have got uh, in the January window, especially given that we desperately need attacking threat going forward. Yeah, you know, he doesn't score a lot of goals, or I should say, he hasn't scored a lot of goals for for Juventus, um, but he's capable. You know, I've seen him score for Sweden. We know he scored at Parma quite a bit. Um, this is a super exciting move for us, and I, I really hope that it works out. Uh, mostly because I don't want to have to eat these words in a few months where I'm talking about what a letdown it was, but. Uh, no, I, I think uh, Kulisevsky is going to be a, an incredible player for us, and I'm really looking forward to that first game out where we can have Sun Kane and him all rushing forward um, at the same time. Hey, how about you? Uh, on Kulisevsky? <clears throat> yeah. Um, this guy, so uh, I, I'm, uh, as as we all know, that I, I, I don't do Twitter Um so I don't know I don't know how to find things and do things on Twitter. I had to ask uh, one of my X-ray students today uh, how to use a how to find things on Twitter. Like how um, how did you get your ITK during this whole window? Uh, I used a, I used a, this this cool uh, feature on the internet uh, called uh, uh, Google. Yeah, what what would you type in? What search terms? I'm really curious. Uh, Please Fabrizio give me Romano. ITK. <laughs> I, I would I would I would literally put Fabrizio Romano, uh, Tottenham news. That's what I would type in. Um, make fun of me if you will. Uh, I never did, bought. Into did you uh, Did you print it all out so that you could study it and, and memorize it? No, uh, actually, uh, um, I would uh, immediately like read read like three lines um, from from one of his tweets or a, 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 a article that he was mentioned in on on you know football.london um and um then i would text you guys frantically and uh be uh irate heckled heckled by you guys um 
<laughs> so no, no, I, uh, I, 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 I like to do my scouting on YouTube. I, I love YouTube for uh, uh, all things entertainment. Uh, that said, uh, I, I did a lot of YouTubing on this guy, and um, I came to a conclusion that nobody's, that nobody on the world is gonna, in the world is gonna say. And uh, I think this guy um, has the the ability to be another Kevin De Bruyne type. Um, that said, I, I I think that like. <clears throat> the stuff, the stuff from Parma he, uh, to Juventus, he looks like it looks like two fucking completely different players. Um, a lot of the Juventus stuff, uh, you watch these scouting videos versus your highlight videos, um, and the scouting videos in at Juventus, he looks like lots of times he's moving really slow, um, but maybe his feet are moving fast. And he gets a little ahead of himself. He falls down. It seems he falls down a lot to me. Um, but it, it's kind of cool the way that he, he sneaks passes into spots where you think he might actually take a shot. Uh, he, he's, he's sneaky with his passing. His footwork, his footwork is um, sometimes quicker than his body or is, is able to move because his mind might be moving really fast. Um, but he's kind of got that same type of gait, that same type of frame, and I think that I, I think that he could could develop into a De Bruyne type. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's not. A, I don't think he's a Lucas Moura type. I honestly don't. Um, he's not quick. Uh, I, I, he does have a good work rate. Um, he moves well without the ball. He moves really well with the ball. Like I said, he can be fucking really, really tricky with the ball. Uh, you never know if he's going to pass the ball or if he's going to shoot. Um, I think he's like, his, his attitude, his attitude on the field looks great. Uh, he doesn't seem to get down. I, and, and from what, from what I've heard and what I've, what I've read, uh, is that, is that he's a phenomenal teammate and that he's good, that he's good, uh, in, in the locker room, in the dressing room and his teammates love him. Um, so you know, I'm I'm looking forward to a, having a guy like that in our locker room. Uh, that said, I don't want to get too too ahead of ourselves and you know say he's the next Kevin De Bruyne because we know that De Bruyne is probably one of the top three players in the fucking world right now. Um, and doing what he does is uh, it's De Bruyne. He's out of this world. He's a, he's an otherworldly player, but this kid has the ability to develop into that type of a player. And I think with a coach like Conte, if Conte sticks around for more than 18 fucking months, um, we could have a real big deal on our hands with this kid. Uh, so um, I like his attitude coming in. I like the way he looked in Parma. I don't necessarily like the way that he looked in, in Juve. Um, like I said, he's on the ground a lot. Which I don't I don't know what that means. Um, maybe he takes too many risks, uh, dribbling into corners. Uh, he, his, I don't I don't know. He doesn't he doesn't seem to do well in the air either. Um, he's over six feet tall, so I, I I don't know other than that. I'm not a big scout. I just watch YouTube fucking videos. 
you had me, it might be the next Kevin De Bruyne, to be honest with you. So we'll see what happens. Mike, how about we stay with you? Let's go to Ben Tonker. What's, what's your, and is that the pronunciation? Tonker. Ben Tonker. It's like ben Tonker. Tonka. That makes him sound very fucking German. Tonka. <laughs> ben Tonka. Um, uh, he's, he's from Uruguay, right? Uh, Ooh, impressive. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I lived, I lived with a guy who was, whose family is from Uruguay. So, I mean, you had to pronounce it right. Um, one of my roommates back in the day. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's, he's not, you know, the, the best, the best midfielder in the world. Um, he's, he's a great holding midfielder. He's good defensively. He's not going to offer you much, uh, cre- you know, in the creative, uh, in the creative realm. Um, I think that he's going to come in and probably displace Hoiberg. Um, well, my, my fear is that he's going to replace Skip. Um, but my guess, my guess going forward is that he's going to be a replacement for, for Hoiberg. Um, but what he does offer, um, is depth at a position and he, he, we get him pretty, pretty, uh, inexpensive. He's pretty cheap. So his, his, his depth is, is where he is giving us depth is where he's very valuable. We know that in these fucking 16 Chelsea matches we just played that one of our one of our downfalls was the fact that we our midfield couldn't keep up right so we need depth in midfield and what we just got rid of um were three guys in midfield who didn't give us any production because they didn't get on the field this guy's going to get on the field probably close to immediately and uh, he's going to replace either Skip or Hoiberg. And, uh, um, but any of those guys can slot into that position at any point. And that, that depth is going to be very, very important going forward, especially when you're in a run for Champions League. Um, so he's super cheap. The thing with Kulisowski, though, is that there's... Well, both of these guys, really, is there's a lot of shit that's triggered if they have a lot of, a lot of success. Um so do you want do you want money to be triggered or do you know and get into champions league or do you want these guys to be developed and you know make it make make it through their initial well benton bentonker is a, a a permanent right um so so where do you where do you want this to go do you want these guys to be developed or do you do you want this to lead to champions league immediately I mean, how far do you push these guys? You know, these are these are two incomings. We had like four outgoings, plus a couple of youth guys gone. Like, I, I'd rather I'd rather have these two guys who are going to play than than not have the four guys who don't play. Steve, how far do you push him? Mike's question. <sighs> like, do you push? Do you push and say, you guys have to develop now, now, now? Because we need Champions League now, 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 or do you try and develop these guys? Like, you know, Kulisowski's young, very, very, very young. Personal opinion, while Steve's thinking, I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think it it can yeah. be organically what what comes and and see where it goes. 
I think I'm with you, Dave. I think, uh, you know, Kulisevsky, in well, both of them, really, they've already got experience playing at a top level. So I don't anticipate they'll have much of a struggle transitioning from one squad to another. And, uh, you know, Conte is somebody who has, you know, he's coached in Italy. He knows you know what it's like for them he knows what it's like for those players and and what they'll need to make the transition over to uh you know premier league football i don't think that's going to be much of an issue bentaker in particular i'm curious on this one um it seems to me and and i'll just preface this by saying i'm no bentaker expert i know less about him than i did about kulisevsky uh but it seems like he's a different player for Uruguay than he is for um, for Juve. And I, I almost get the impression that he's, he's not really a like for like for any of our midfield options. He's kind of an amalgamation of like Hoiberg and Skip. Um, and I'm curious to see how Conte leverages his skill set to change how the others operate. Um, I get the feeling that his inclusion might not necessarily be at anybody's expense. I think it's more that it offers up a different tactical option for Conte in that it's like, kind of like in the same vein as playing Winks alongside Skip opened Winks up to be a more progressive passer of the ball. Um, and he's really, you know, had this this massive renaissance uh, under Conte as a result. I think it's going to be something like that. But for either Skip or Hoiberg or, you know, maybe even both, depending on, you know, the system that, that Conte wants to use. Um, I, I remember reading a couple weeks ago about how Conte really wants Skip to be a lot more progressive moving forward. Um, Hoiberg arguably does his best when he is capable of playing a little more advanced than being a, a you know kind of that strictly defensive-minded midfielder. Um, I think Benteker is the kind of player who comes in and opens those options up for Hoiberg and for Skip to offer something different. I, I anticipate that we're going to see different midfield selections between the four of them, Skip, Hoiberg, Benteker, and, and Winks, uh, depending on our opposition, depending on what we need out of the game and how we're performing at any given time. And I'm curious to see how that plays out after, after a couple of these. Um, I think there's an X factor there that um, we just don't know how he's going to operate at, at this point. You know, he's, I think he's going to do well. I don't think there's a situation in which he's a complete flop. Um, I'm going to knock on wood right now, but uh, I, I'm curious, you know, how is Conte going to use him? How is he going to rotate um, our midfield options what are these tactics going to look like? Are we going to be able to look at some of these midfield lineups and say, oh, this is going to be strictly counterattacking or, oh, this is going to be possession-based. This is going to be pressing. Like, what is this going to look like? I'm really interested to see how this all works out. Um, and the other thing that I'm keeping in the back of my mind is we have SAR coming 
in summer. He finishes mm-hmm. his his loan. We've got another midfield option, young, talented midfield option coming in. That attacker. Um, this should be this should be an interesting well uh, at Afcon too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out for sure. Um, also, I just before it slips my mind, I saw this online, and I need everybody, you guys, everybody listening at home or wherever you are, to know. Somebody pointed out to me, Kulusevsky looks like if Oliver Skip and Harry Kane had a love child together. I want you guys to look at him and tell me that that's wrong. You're going to pull the little Conan O'Brien trick, right? You're going to you're gonna mesh their faces together. I'm not that skilled. You're, I'm just you're saying. Big, if... You're big on like this guy with this guy equals this guy tonight. That's true. That is true. I am kind of smashing people together. But if you look at just in his face, he, that's what he looks like. And I can't unsee it. Thank you, whoever it was on Reddit who threw that in my mind. I'm never going to. You know, I think I, I just I compared Kulisowski to to De Bruyne just because they're both pasty and pale, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that maybe that was my reasoning. I don't know. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Hey, Mike, I would like to know a rating. How do you, after all the the sky is falling of a week and a half ago, um, and after the last couple of days, scale of one to ten, what is your rating on the January window? Steve, you know I'm coming to you next, so just be ready for that. What do you got, Mike? You give you give me the first shot. Um, you know, I'm gonna give it. I'm, I'm going to give it a, a shit. I'm going to give it a five. Five? A five overall. What's your rationale? Uh, my Here's my rationale. Um, we we got the, the, the quote-unquote dead weight out that we needed to get out. That's I think that's the story of this window, of this January window. We all know the January window. We've heard it a thousand times. Typically very, very hard to bring guys in. Uh, they're super fucking high priced, um, generally typically overpriced, but it's and it's because teams need fucking players to compete, especially the the teams that are middling or on the edge of Champions League, right? Uh, so it's typically a very very tough window. There aren't a ton of players available. Um, it's the same thing in like like Major League Baseball. You know, you have the fire sale teams. Like teams aren't going to compete for the rest of the season, so they're going to get some money, or they're going to get some draft picks, or some young players out of it. Um, we didn't do a lot of trading. We didn't do any swapping uh, that we heard about constantly. Um, so I, I give it a five because um, I really like what we did, getting the players that we did. Um, I don't necessarily think it solves any of our fucking issues at all outside of outside of a little bit of of depth in the midfield which we all know depth anywhere is fucking great um gives us a little depth in the midfield and uh we bought another fucking winger (laughs) i mean (laughs) we keep we keep buying wingers we don't have a striker we don't have the center back we don't have the right wing back that we need um so we didn't solve any of the issues that we said we had going into the January window, which is why it's only a five for me. It would be it would be less if we didn't get 
Indomble out of my fucking club. So it's a well thought argument, Mike. I'll give you that, Steve. Indomble is not lazy. He's got a shitty fucking attitude. Fair enough. For Fair me, enough. I'm giving it a seven, and it's again mostly because we got, and I'm going to stick with the dead weight terminology. They're gone. Um, they weren't offering anything for the team, you know. Uh, emotion aside, regardless of how we feel about the players, whether we loved them, whether we thought they would be great, it doesn't matter. They contributed nothing over the last few months. Um, they were pretty much just filling space on the bench, and that's it. Whenever they came on, you never got a sense that the game was going to change or they were going to do anything. Um, so to move all of them at once is kind of nice to see. Um, we'll have to revisit the problem for, you know, LaCelso and Ndombele in the summer because Ndombele in particular, I doubt Leon are going to spend $65 million on that uh, buy clause that they have in there. That just seems like a, a pipe dream. That'll never fucking happen. They don't, yeah, have, that who, kind of, they don't have that money anyway. They, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense, but I don't they know. They spend, you know, fucking $5 million for you know, 10 players, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't do that. Yeah. It's that's, that's summer headache. Um, and no, I, I agree with Mike. We did not get players in the positions that we desperately needed, you know, the right wing back, the striker striker in particular is a little sore, I guess, just because we've desperately needed a backup for so long. The only reason I'm a little more optimistic about it is because Kulisevsky has at least played as a striker for Sweden. Um, so maybe, maybe there's some kind of backup option there. It just, you know, just a stretch, but uh, at the very least, I see having, having Kulisevsky, Lucas, Son, and Kane and Bergvine all available. Um, there's some options to rotate up there where we're not completely relying on one person to be in form. Uh, and that's the only reason I'm a little more optimistic. Uh, that, and I think, again, I think Benteker is going to offer us something different in the midfields that could be intriguing. We, desperately need to go in for that wing back in the summer we desperately need to go in for a dedicated striker um but for now you know i wanted reinforcements we got reinforcements and at the expense of people who did jack shit for us over the last few months so all in all i'm content it could have been better but you know it's it's certainly better than it was last week when we were starting to think nobody was going to come in and nobody was going to go out. So no, it was only me. I was the only one in the entire Spurs fandom who thought we weren't getting anybody in. <laughs> now, uh, Dave, let me know that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still looking for, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Um, they're, you know, both of them, they're not, exactly um, lighting the world aflame, but under Conte, maybe they will. Um, I think the giving two extra points on top of Mike's score is maybe me being a little hopeful of what they'll offer us over the next uh, few months here as we try to, you know, reach those top four places. I don't know. Hopefully, um, 
we do make top four and they're key uh key figures in that but only time will tell so here's what i have to offer first in transfer news um the creator of wordle uh sold wordle to the new york times for the low seven figures apparently just throwing that out there for those of you who are interested in and curious i know that steve uh, wants nothing to do with that but mike is a huge huge fan um oh, the new york times <laughs> you goddamn kids and your fancy fads yeah when you i know you know what it is you know what it is it's it's just another it's just another uk institution selling out to billionaires from from the us it, it you know it, it sounds like liverpool all over again <laughs> liverpool and their fucking owner lebron james there you go uh my quick take and i'll tom be warner my 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 rating on the window Getting Lo Celso and Ndombele out of the club, that alone would have been a six out of 10 for me. So that's where I start from. Um, and with the two incomings, I, I love Mike's assessment. I hope I hope they're both of, of the caliber that Mike talks about. And uh, so that's going to give me at least another, another one. So my assessment's a seven out of 10 on this window. I would have been happy just with the outgoings, but um, we'll see, right? For January, I think it was actually remarkably successful. I think uh addition by subtraction was the name of the game with this particular window and I'm, I'm truthfully excited to see what happens moving forward so with that let's get some closing thoughts in what do you say boys go to steve all right all right all right all right steve mike wants you to go first <laughs> oh man yeah, okay uh closing thought i am uh i'm looking forward to you know our first game back um you know, from the international break, just so I can see if Kulisevsky probably will have a place. Um, you know, we've got Brighton on Saturday in the uh, FA Cup. Can he even play in the FA Cup? I don't know. We'll figure that out. But uh, he's certainly closer than Benteker to, to playing for us, given that Benteker is in Uruguay. Um, and I don't think he's coming back until Thursday. There's no way he's getting anything going uh, with the team. So that'll be fun. Maybe we'll get a cameo appearance or something. Eve, I Ooh. believe that's that's Uruguay. Uruguay. I, I did catch Uruguay. Steve, Uruguay. It's not that hard. <laughs> One hey, more time. High school Spanish. At least I didn't go with the Homer Simpson pronunciation. I did hear you say Sweden earlier. I was thinking of the Sweden. Swedish chef Sweden. Yeah, we have a friend. Fair. We have a friend of the pod named uh, Ross. Uh, Who's who's uh, in this in a Scandinavian country, uh, so I Sweden's nice. That's that's very good. You you, you sound like uh, like a, a fake Swedish uh, uh, blonde in a movie. I thought, sound like a, I thought he sounded like a Muppet, but I think he's too young for that. So it no, been... hey, yeah, I he doesn't. Muppets. Yeah, the Swedish Chef. Yeah, I know Swedish Chef. Vita, vita, vita. All right, anyways. Well, now that you mention it, I can't picture myself as a blonde either. That just seems weird. Uh, anyway, uh, the only other – so the, my last closing thought, completely unrelated to Spurs, but I just need to get it out into the, the public domain for all of you listening. Greg Berhalter is a garbage coach, and I don't care what his record looks like. This dude needs to fucking go as soon as the World Cup cycle's over. Get him out. This, he's fucking clueless. What a terrible manager. 
Yeah, Mike. <laughs> yeah, he legit. He legit said uh, in his post game. He said, uh, uh, "We dominated them." Fuck no, you didn't. You had most. You lost two nothing. You lost two nothing. <laughs> hey, Mike, pull um, that. Pull that. Mike you know who? Do- you know who dominated? Uh, Weston McKenney dominated that game. Hey, Mike. Mike, he, he did. He bossed that fucking game. Mike, Mike, Mike. The Howard Stern routine. Pull that mic away from you a little bit, man. You're you're killing me on the audio mix here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I get so excited. You were fired up, man. That's because Mike Mike understands. He knows. You know, you get these fucking Greg Berhalter apologies. Well, he's you know we're second in the fucking octagon or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, but we played like shit. The only reason we're doing so well is because it's our golden generation, and honestly, they're being mismanaged. The dude's fucking clueless. And while I'm at it, while I'm on my soapbox here, <laughs> bring back Bob get Bradley. His, get his fucking brother out of there too. This fucking nepotism should not have happened. This entire U.S. Soccer Federation is in shambles. We need some actual structure going on. People who know what they're doing and are capable of making us an actual competitive team on the international landscape wait a minute though steve antonio conte's brother does video for tony is that okay no i don't know antonio conte is a winner he can do whatever he wants greg berhalter's a piece of shit charlie kane (laughs) there you go brothers nepotism is not good all right I'm 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 not gonna get so close to the mic. Um, you you sound beautiful right now, Mike. Keep oh, it up. that's that's lovely. So, uh, in having this, uh, in thinking about this mic conversation, um, I just noticed that you both now have headsets. Uh, I I feel like I need something. I I gotta compete. I gotta have a headset now. Is that a thing? I don't do the full headset. I just do the little like cheapo headphones. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what what happens is that. When I get excited and uh, and you know I have to have the mic very close to me that <laughs> it, it blows up your ears. Steve, I, I didn't hear Steve complain once. He knows he knows how I feel about USA soccer. Um, but that said, my my closing thoughts were, were we got we we have some games coming up um, that are winnable. Um, it's going to be a tough run of games. Uh, like like Steve said, Brighton's coming up, FA Cup draw, um, which will be a fun game to watch because we have uh, specific players coming back, right? We got Romero coming back, um, not having to have gotten injured in international duty again. Um, Sonny should be coming back, right? So, I mean, and then we have our, our two new guys, so we have some attacking options. Um, I think Kulu might get a run out. I don't know. Like Steve said, we'll, we'll find out if he can play in the FA Cup. He's probably not able to. Um, but who knows? Um, but outside of that, um, I, I just, I just want to make, I, I, I want to talk a, a little bit about, um, about some stuff that came up, uh, this weekend. Um, everybody knows that I'm a huge fan of Lucas Mora. Um, and I wasn't going to bring it up, but I, I think I think it needs to be said. Um, I'm a fan of Lucas Mora, um, the the footballer, the soccer player. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of the person that is Lucas Mora. Um, uh, so 
the person that is Lucas Mora, um, as far as his personal political life goes, um, I, I can't get behind anything that he's, that he said or done, um, in his social, on a social media, on his, on his Twitter. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a Twitter guy. I've never professed to have been a Twitter guy. Um, I really don't know how it works. Like I said earlier, I had to have, um, basically a 20 something year old tell me how to use Twitter properly. Um, but I know that recently he has liked some posts, um, um, having to do that, that were very anti, anti transgender having that were a very anti gay, uh, and, and we need to understand that none of this stuff is okay. Um, even just liking posts, not even commenting on posts, just liking posts that, that denigrate, um, a, 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 a piece of a, of a population of people. Um, we have to love, love everybody for, for who they are. Um, not what they are, but who they are. So, um, you know, him being, him being a soccer player is a big, is a big part of, of, of my life. Um, because of how I came to love my team, him, him being a, celebrity figure with a voice in, in Brazil, um, and really in England and on the world stage, um, that, you know, celebrities have voices that, that people hear. And when he's liking, when he's liking posts, when he's supporting and voting for, um, fascist regimes, um, that doesn't that doesn't sit well with me and i i just want i want people to think about how to separate your fandom in sports from a personality and a person themselves um i'm gonna love lucas for what he's done for our club i'm not gonna love lucas for what he's done as a as a person or how he feels as a person i think that spurs really need to um grab this thing by the reins and do something to educate him. Um, because you know, we've all made mistakes in our lives. Um, but I, I think that, I think that he needs to have his, he needs to be educated a little bit on, 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 on what it is to be a human being and to be um, a member of the human population because we can't we can't be out here doing what we do without each other and everybody's everybody's personal everybody's personal feelings on everybody else it it really doesn't matter in life what 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 matters in life is how you conduct yourself and how you treat your other fellow human beings and and uh i think lucas would do good to remember that and be educated on that that's that's it. I know I rambled for a long time, and maybe my point wasn't made, but oh, Mike, I think your I think your point was very very well made. Um, and I apologize because Steve and I were giggling at the start of it because Steve said when you were 
swallowing your microphone, you reminded him of Macho Man Randy Savage. So we were sharing memes back and forth of the Macho Man. But that that aside, um, your point was really well made. And I think I think it, man, it points out the complexity of the world we live in, right? Like, let's let's be honest. Nobody is perfect and nobody is flawless and nobody can manage to get through life without screwing up or doing something stupid. And anybody who tries to tell you that they can or they have, they're full of crap. And we all, we all know that that's, that's reality, right? But it's, life is made so much more complex by the social media dynamics of, of the world today, you know, and, and the fact that people are now hardwired to share every thought and every impulse with the world via the internet, you know, um, those of us who are, you know, you know, of a certain age that where we that grew up and even had the, the liberty of going to college when there was no, you know, internet or social media, you know, um, different world, different experiences. Yeah, like I, I've, I'm, I've done I'm scared. Some regrettable things in my yeah. life. Yeah. And they weren't and documented. Now on as an camera. adult who's been educated and who's, who's educated himself. Yeah. I, I have, I, I've gotten to that point in my life where I, I can accept the, so, some of the things that I've said in my past and done in my past um, that, that were absolutely wrong. And so and, I don't think Lucas Mora is, is above being educated or can, you know, change his mind on, on things. Yeah. Or and just, that's, that's maybe, the final, or maybe just shut up and stop doing that stuff. That's I mean, the final thing I wanted to share is like, you got to consider your platform, you know, like, so there's a, there's a podcaster who's not quite as famous as we are. Um, his name's Joe Rogan. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him or not, but you know, like, <laughs> let's be honest, right? I, I used to listen to Joe Rogan. I used to enjoy listening to him. I thought I thought he was funny. Um, then I didn't have three hours to listen to every darn podcast that, that he put out. And then I got really or 30 tired. minutes. I mean, or yeah. 30 minutes, depending on how long he wanted to be on. Right. I got really tired of his shtick, you know, and I got tired of him um, gaining popularity across the world and saying outlandish things, but not taking any responsibility for those outlandish things. So he had this like monstrous platform, which we can argue most professional athletes have. And when you have a platform and then you have a way to have a voice and get information out through that voice, you gotta be responsible. And if you're not responsible and if you're not thoughtful, then pay somebody to do it for you and be responsible and thoughtful or put the damn thing down, you know? And like, that's where, that's where Lucas Moore or anybody else who does that, that type of thing is at fault is, um, everyone's entitled to an opinion but your opinion has more gravity and more weight the larger your platform is and that means uh, yeah okay. you have more responsibility and that's that's the thing man opinions that's, have consequences sometimes they do no question they do now don't you guys worry because come our next podcast i will be perfect i ordered a book it's coming tomorrow it's called how to be perfect written by mike sure um and I'm sure that's going to make me an upstanding citizen and everything I say will be the correct answer to everything uh, henceforth. You know what Mike would say to that, Steve? Bullshit. He'd go, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we've reached the end, gentlemen. What do you, what do you say? Uh, to those of you who are still with us, we love and appreciate you. Uh, to you, gentlemen, I always appreciate you and, and thank you for, for the time getting together. Um, Kois, 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 even when he says stupid things and needs to take responsibility for his behavior. And Mike? Oh, yeah. Be safe. Yes. <laughs>